0: Welcome to A Tribe Called Yes, the podcast that brings you closer to the world's most notorious risk-takers, trailblazers, and enemies of the status quo. Now, here's your host, Darren K. Roberts.
1: What's up, tribe? Did you miss me? I know you did. I missed you. It's Coach Darren K. Roberts. Went from Harvard Law to the NFL. By the grace of God and good old-fashioned grit, and we are back. That's right. We're back for season two of A Tribe Called Yes. And let me tell you, we are going to kick off this season with a deep dive into the world of rejection. And we have the founder and CEO of Interview Ready Now, Miss Eileen Chow. She's going to come to us and she and I are going to take a deep dive into this world of rejection and give you some tools and tricks to get over the hump. Eileen, Eileen, listen, we need you to give us the full rundown on you. Start at Genesis, bring us all the way to the present tense, and let us know how you got to where you are today.
0: Sure. Um, Darren, it's so good to talk with you. We were classmates together at UT. Just a short
1: period ago. I'm, I'm a young guy, so just a few years ago.
0: Yeah, just a couple of (laughs) years ago, that's right. (laughs) But, um, you know, in just a couple of years since we've been to UT, uh, I've actually transitioned careers more times than I can count. I started off as an intern at General Mills within sales. I did Teach for America. I was a consultant with Accenture. I attended Kellogg Business School with the intention of finding myself in my dream career. I then worked in brand management at Unilever and most recently worked with an education reform organization in New Orleans for six years. Hmm. So done a lot of things. Um, and so you can probably tell that I I can't make up my mind. I just love finding new jobs and the hunt and the thrill of each search. And that was combined with this, like the last 10 years, since my time at Kellogg, I've been helping people informally, like random strangers and friends of my hairstylist um, to Conduct mock interviews, help them with like job search advice, and look at their resumes. Uh, and so, two years ago, I was like, you know, I really love doing this. I've already reviewed eighty resumes on my own without charging anyone. Let's what? see what hold it would on, be. For free?
1: <laughs> yeah, for free, free services. Now, listen, try all this was free. <laughs> hold on, let me just. I just want the tribe to know this was in a past life. So yes. Eileen no longer, she loves to help people, but she no longer is just out there, you know, giving her editing services for free. But anyway, 80 free edited resumes, gotcha. Over, over 10 years.
0: And you know what I did, Darren, was I actually made a spreadsheet of everyone that I had helped over those 10 years. And 80% of the people I helped reach their next level of the job search process. So right. if they like send in the resume, they got the interview. If we did the interview together, they got the next interview or the actual offer. So that's why I launched interview ready now. You know, I was like, I want, um, I want to approach the career coaching process holistically and serve as like a mentor and a coach and offer individual services as well as conduct large workshops to, to large groups of people transitioning to different careers.
1: This is the part where Darren kind of goes off topic, but it's somewhat on topic. You know, why don't schools teach this stuff? I mean, I know, (laughs) I mean, this seems like like this is the stuff that actually matters in life yet. The fact that people don't know how to, and I'm not, judging them but right. I feel like people will leave a four year college or university and still have a lot of trouble working through cover letters and resumes.
0: I agree. Why don't we
1: teach that stuff better?
0: I think um and I'm gonna tell you, Darren, like I started this or you know, company with the uh, intent to fill this gap. I've talked to very few people that said they had great career services in undergrad. I don't know about you, mm. but I think what um the trend I see is that, you know, even at Kellogg, I felt like they had really great templates for resumes and cover letters, but I learned the most from my peers. And it's because most people that are in that career center um might not even have the same de- degree that you had first of all so they might not understand like the content knowledge and second of all i don't know the last time that those people were actually on the hunt themselves right hmm. and as you've heard i mean literally i had a job interview earlier this week like i just keep my options open and just you know want to like stay fresh and stay hip with all the trends and the questions that people ask um the technologies that they use to screen resumes so i think a lot of it is just The lack of firsthand experience leads to the lack of giving good advice to students while they're in undergrad.
1: I hear you. No, I think you're right. I mean, I I see about 350 students a year and they'll range from your freshman, you know, don't know what the major is, maybe anthro to your fifth year chemical engineering. I know where I'm going. But the strategy behind kind of getting to the next step is missing. And I also think there's this very real fear of rejection, which is what we're going to jump into now. And I remember when I came to the university to teach, I saw this article about this professor at Princeton who had created this CV of failures, which was a little too dramatic of a title, but essentially he had flipped his CV. So instead of listing, you know, the school that he went to for undergrad and his PhD and all of the jobs that he had, he listed all of the schools that he didn't get into, you know, the fellowships that he didn't get. And I thought to myself, wow, this is a really good technique to come to grips with the fact that one, Hey, listen, You have been told no before, but even more importantly, if you're reading that resume, right, the words off of that sheet of paper, you are still alive. So you can keep going. And so I created this concept of the rejection resume because as a liberal arts student, I just like to steal ideas and and rename them. And I found that so many students have really enjoyed the concept and thinking about it because they're used to seeing the glossy online bios of these successful people and thinking, wow, they haven't had many challenges. But then you look back and you say, oh, they got turned down by this school and that school. So this rejection resume has been important. And I kind of want you to talk about, you know, you've put together your own rejection resume. Um, Are there some key moments of rejection that sort of stand out from your life?
0: Yes. I think, uh, you know, I'm the, I really started forming a passion for getting good at finding jobs, when I was actually quite bad at finding a job. So um, the most notable example um, is uh, my during my first year attending Kellogg, and as uh, to attain my MBA. And as you heard before, you know I had already been at General Mills. I was at teacher, America, and a consultant beforehand. I was like, you know what? I am doing this. I'm taking two years off of school. I'm going to invest. You know, $150,000 in loans, not get income. I'm going to move to Chicago where it started snowing in October. We'll talk about that on a later <laughs> time. And I'm going to do this. And so, what I thought was kind of a cruel joke was that I entered into business school and applied with the concept and the mission to switch careers into brand management, right? Like managing things like. Toothpaste or deodorant. Um, I mean, they're really fascinating, like that whole world of consumer packaged goods. But the way that the internship process works is that the employers come to recruit and they have this closed list of resumes, like this, like select people that they pick. And I was rejected from at least. I counted last night, 17 companies that did not want to interview someone within the consumer packaged goods world who had previously been a teacher and a consultant with oil and gas. Hmm. So I, you know, it really like, I guess I didn't know what to expect. I thought I'd go to business school and it'd be all magical and I could just make that transition. But when the reality hit of like, oh my gosh, the hustle's not over. I still have to apply and get these companies to actually interview me and then get a job and then make the transition I think I just started like, honestly, that rejection, um, over and over again, just really fueled me to like prove them wrong. And so what I did was I went to my peers, um, who became my mentors and I was like, how do I do this? And I, uh, you know, I was interviewing for companies like Colgate, uh, Kellogg's Unilever, and they all own products that you see at Walmart and target. I spent my entire weekend at those stores studying the shelves buying the products, Mm. you know, eating more salty snacks than you can ever imagine in your life. (laughs) Getting your sodium fix on. I mean, that that period of my life was probably not great for my health, great (laughs) for me to become a consumer and a marketer. You know, I bought magazines just to look at the ads. I watched TV just to watch the commercials, you Mm. know, and I ended up making such intense – interview preparation guides for myself that at one interview some guy reached over he's like what what do you have in front of you I said well I have a lot of ideas you know for this new brand that you have and I've done some competitive research and that actually got me the the internship Mm -hmm. and so you know for the redemption in that is that I did end up getting six interviews and I ended up getting four out of those six offers. So it's pretty great, like acceptance rate after all, after being rejected so many times. But I think without that rejection, I don't think I would have fueled all that energy into really becoming a great marketer and doing my research and coming in as prepared as I did.
1: Now give us the anti-Eileen, right? Like what is someone who doesn't handle rejection the right way? what do you think a response from that person would look like? I could easily see someone like going into a cave and saying to hell with this, Uh, you know, (laughs) I'm moving to Miami and just going to figure it out.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Darren, I think it gets, it comes down to like fight or flight. Right. And like what people's reactions are and don't get me wrong. I've been in situations where I actually just fly, fly away, you know, because I'm like, this is, this is scary. I'm going away. Uh, But in this kind of example, I think people that choose to like shut down Perhaps blame circumstances um, and get angry and make excuses versus channeling that energy into continuing to try, continuing to do something until they can perhaps get an interview and then perhaps get an offer, right? Hmm. So I think it's really all about resilience here and instead of like shutting down and making excuses for why things aren't going your way to transform that energy and turn it into something positive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and thinking through the fact that, I mean, I always come back to this very basic fact, which is, you know, if I can complain and be sad that at least at the very least I'm alive, so there's a chance There there's some chance out there that I can make it. Right. Some call it delusional. Who knows?
0: <laughs> I think <worked>. it's optimistic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I think about kind of your, your experience with companies turning you down. Same thing for me and applying to law school. So right. I thought I was going to be governor of Texas by age 40. <laughs> I was student body president, the largest university in the country. So I'm walking around holding my head up high. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just going to float into the country's best law schools. And in particular, the only place I really wanted to go was Harvard Law. And I will never forget Eileen the day that the envelope arrives and I open it up and find out that I get waitlisted. So Mm -hmm. it's 2001. It's hot because it's Austin, Texas. I'm standing in the middle of the street like what in the heck just happened? And you know what the waitlist is like. It's like someone saying, hey, listen, I like you, but I like a lot of other people more than you. Um, In the event that all of those people turn me down. I may come back to you.
0: Right, It's like dating. Right. But don't <laughs> wait for me.
1: If you have a better option, you better take it. Right. And, uh, that began a four year saga where I was waitlisted four straight years. Wow. Um, and at some point I was just like, just tell me, no, just tell me, leave us the hell alone. Right. But, uh, But they
0: saw something in you that every year they said, you know, not yet. Come back, right? Come back and keep fighting. And that's why you didn't get that rejection, right?
1: Yes. I'm loving your Carol Dweck. Not yet. This guy's got a chance. And fourth year, I mean, I get a call in May. I'm in grad school at the Kennedy School. Um, Thinking about I was headed to Columbia and I get a call and they said, hey, listen, if we offered you admission right now, would you? would you come to Harvard Law School? And I said, I'm in. (laughs) And I look back at that experience, and one of the things that I remember the most, all of the advice I would get from people, okay, some of them had never been to law school, some of them hadn't been to any school, and a lot of them weren't risk-takers at all, like the kind of folks who just play it safe. But everyone had some advice for me, like, well, just go here. Well, just forget about law school altogether. And I was very close on that fourth year of not putting in an application. Like I thought to myself, what in the heck else do I have to say about myself on round four? But something said, hey, there's, there's something around the corner. So I do think, you know, really, when we talk about rejection, we're really talking about a person's willingness to continuously put yourself out there and to take risk, and to understand that you're only going to get the yes if you're willing to hear the no at the end of the day, right?
0: Right. And Darren, I, I you know, it's not like you, I want to point something out, like you weren't just sitting around those four years twiddling your thumbs, you know, staying at home and hoping that you'll get in. Like, you know, at the same time, you were actively working towards those improvements, and making that rejection become a yes, right? Yeah. Uh, so I want to point out that it's not just like delusional resilience, right? Where you you just keep trying without doing anything different, like that's called insanity. (laughs) But I have no doubt knowing you and what you've accomplished that you were making progress and showing Harvard year on year the improvements that would make you um, a great law school candidate um, after the fourth uh, cycle of applications
1: yeah I mean, I wasn't. I went to the Kennedy School of Government. I worked on the hill for a year, and I kept thinking, like you said, Eileen, like what are ways that I can show Harvard Law School that i that I belong there that I can do the work that i can that I can succeed there, and every year, I've found some way to switch up my resume, you know, rewrite the personal statement, get some more recommenders, you know constantly trying to find a way to get in the front door, back door, chimney, whatever you have to do. And I I think that's, that's where you and I are kind of cut from the same cloth. Right. Your preparation for those companies and those interviews, I mean, there aren't many people who would go to the extent of going to the store, experiencing the brand, looking at the commercials, but then also creating a campaign for a product and having that in hand when you go to an interview. I mean, that just shows how willing you were to go above and beyond the call of duty to get into the position where you wanted to be.
0: Right. And I think like what I realized from all those rejections, Darren, was like, they were sending a message loud and clear to me. Like, we don't want to interview you because you don't have any background within this area. And so I, you know, interpersonal skills, communication, stuff like that. I knew I could answer those types of questions, but if they were to ask me about what expertise do you have within these areas? I didn't have it. So I had to go and get those experiences, right? And, you know, my belly swelled up from all the popcorn and Fritos that I ate, (laughs) but I got those experiences. And then I was able to turn that into really positive ways to stand out in the interviews, whereas some of my peers who may have had those experiences already may not have pushed themselves to be as relevant. Um, I mean, some of them did, right? Mm. But I knew clearly that they were sending a message loud and clear on what I was missing. And so it was actually very clear cut for me on what I needed to do.
1: Mm. You know, you work with clients who are, and I really want you to take a dive into this. I mean, you're working with clients at every end of the spectrum, you know, just coming out of college and people who are making, you know, their third and fourth career pivot. I'm dealing with students that range from, you know, fresh on the campus, freshmen to seniors who are leaving. And the one thing I find is that this feeling of risk aversion and, there are so many different culprits. It could be helicopter parents that are trying to tell Susie that she's got to be a doctor, you know, in order to be successful. Um, A lot of social media is trying to preach to folks what they should do with their lives. But I feel like I deal with so many students right now who are risk averse, who are afraid of rejection to the point to where I've built out a failure management module in my class where I force students to go and put themselves through a rejection challenge so kids gotta go in pairs to starbucks and ask for a free latte and get videotaped doing it right and 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 write about the fact uh you know what they thought was going to happen before they walked into starbucks and then write about it after the fact but i'm constantly thinking of ways to build this comfort level with taking risk Tell us some stories from, you know, dealing with clients and, you know, their fear of rejection. How has that shaped the way that you help get them to where they want to be?
0: Right. So I'll tell you, um, you know, when you said that you work with students from freshmen to seniors and that you give them almost a protected environment to fail, I think that's so healthy and will build a background in being able to take those risks and and if examine like if you're not happy then I need to do something about it even if it means being rejected from what I want to do. Hmm. Um I had worked I I worked with a client last summer who was she'd been working for 35 years and had never had a resume done hated her job, but she, you know, she and my other clients that are successful share one thing in common, like the desire and the willingness to change. And they had reached the point where they were willing to take that risk and willing to be rejected because they just could not take their day-to-day job anymore. So with her, we worked on her resume. And at the end of our, uh, I do sessions over the phone where I interview them about like their backgrounds and experiences and show them how you can create this bullet and tailor it to the job they're applying to. Um, It got really, really quiet at the end of our session as I was asking her how it went. And I realized it was actually because she was crying. Like she was like, had never viewed herself in such a positive light before. And had never like seen all these amazing things that she had done over 35 years on one piece of paper, right? Mm. Um, She since literally for the, like she's already switched jobs twice. I don't know if that's like, I unleashed too much of a beast, you know? (laughs) Um, But she, you know, uh, switched a job immediately after our session. She contacted me a month ago. She wanted some more coaching to get an an even higher position. Like she embraced the fact that I might be rejected, but I'm going to do what I need to do. And then being able to be that part of her story to give her that boosted confidence and give her the tool of like being able to talk about her experiences in a powerful way just felt so incredible
1: hmm Hmm. And now she's ready to even reach for higher goals based on you know that one experience of sort of getting over And, and it really i mean you're we're providing a confidence booster that's helping your clients say, okay, I thought I wanted to do this, but I actually I don't have the confidence to say that I can do this or even get this position.
0: Right, right. I mean, so many times, uh, you know, a common misconception that I see is that people will look at a job description and they're like, you know, I don't have 100% of these qualifications. And, I'm, and I tell them, if you have 100% of those qualifications, you're overqualified for that job. Hmm. There should always be a little gap, right? And that's like the passion and the drive and showing that you want to learn and grow within this position. Otherwise, you'll be bored. And so I really enjoy, you know, showing clients how actually your experiences as a teacher translate really well into the corporate world. And let me show you how. And it's all about speaking that common knowledge. And you know this, Darren, as like, you know, being a a career, a master of career pivoting and giving this advice as well, is just being able to confidently make that connection and not get so caught up with like the industry jargon or the specific points about, the job that might not translate as well to other, other parts of their lives.
1: Hmm. Tribe, I want to zero in on something that Eileen just said, and it's, it's that qualifications gap. If you are 100% qualified for a position that you're looking for, right? I mean, if you just can go down the list of qualifications and check all of them off, there is a very good chance that you shouldn't be taking that job because having some sort of gap in, the, in qualifications that they want and what you have just that that you know that there's room for growth. You're going to be challenged. And I think so many people say, OK, let me just take the safe route. Hey, this is exactly what I have. This is what I'm going after. No, you need to be you need interviews where you're having to go in there and make the case for why they should still hire you, even though you don't have X, Y, or Z. You
0: said it right. And that's the only way you'll move up, right? I yeah. mean, if you keep getting positions that you're overqualified for, you will remain at the same level. And that usually means the same level of pay. And more, you know, people want to work less and make more money. And so I think the way to do that is to challenge yourself to go all out in life and in these interviews and preparing yourself and your stories to show how this is a gap but an achievable gap that you can easily overcome uh, mm. with because of your work ethic and your ability to, to grow quickly.
1: I love it. I love it. Now, Tribe, you know, we are all about action. This sounds great. You've got some good old ear candy flowing down the lobes, but right now we've got to get you into action. So here's what we're asking you to do you're going to go to interviewreadynow.com/rejection resume. That's interviewreadynow.com/backslash rejection resume. And you're going to be able to do a couple of things there. One, download the rejection resume. Eileen and I have both posted ours up to the site so you can see them as examples. But download the template and go ahead and fill out your own rejection resume and share it with folks across the world. And you can use that site. To share stories of rejection, I think the more we build a community around people who are courageous and candid and authentic enough to say, "Hey, I've been rejected, but listen, I'm still alive and I'm still out here taking risk," the better off we will be. So make sure you go to interviewreadynow.com backslash rejection resume. Also. On social media, hashtag rejection resume. Any thoughts, any input, we'd love to hear from you. So, hashtag rejection resume. Be sure to post your thoughts on social media. Eileen, this has been great. Let me tell you something. I'm just, I'm all giddy over here. I'm feeling good. It's been wonderful to have you on the show with the tribe.
0: Darren, this was the highlight of my week and reconnecting with you has been just so inspiring. Thank you so much. And Tribe, thank you so much for having me today.
1: And you know what? Last thing, I I know that people are going to be listening to this episode and wondering, how can I get in contact with Eileen? What are the best ways to get in contact with you?
0: Well, I'm kind of a compulsive person on all methods electronics. so uh, you can go to the website interviewreadynow.com as you mentioned. Uh, I have my email, my phone number and uh, let me tell you guys, I had never been on social media before the age of 35, but I forced myself to do this as part of the company launch. And so uh, whenever people give me a thumbs up or a, you know a heart on Instagram, I feel not rejected and I feel pretty good about myself. So I'd appreciate support there as well. But truly I do uh, love meeting new people and always, um, you know, I offer complimentary consults just so I can get to know you and give you some advice that free advice on what I think would be great to work with your career strategy. Um, So hope to hear from y'all then.
1: Eileen, thank you so much. Tribe, you have all the tools now that you need to go out there and slay some dragons. Make sure that you keep saying yes and we will see you next week.